Hi, I'm Dee Hicks, and welcome to the School of Leadership, leveraged lessons from high-impact leaders. For the past 30 years, I've researched the disciplines, habits, mental models, and assumptions of the most effective leaders. This podcast takes what I've learned from over 2,000 of these influencers and distills it into practical tools and tips you can use immediately. So let's get started. Good stuff. Today's cigar is a Roma Craft Intemperance Cigar. It's the BA-21. <laughs> it's really quite good. It's a small cigar. It's about five inches, uh, maybe a 50, 51 or 52 ring gauge. Really good stuff. And what am I pairing it with today? Like I'm some sort of a wine aficionado here. I'm going to pair this with a little bit of, you just can't go wrong with this. It's Woodford Reserve. Ah, oh, this is the double. Oh, good stuff. A little bit, yeah, maybe a shot's worth. A little bit of ice in it, as is always the case. And is also always the case. Wish you were here. If you were here, we'd probably talk a little bit about what you're afraid of. Today's podcast, let's call it Fight or Flight. Or is there another option? Fight or Flight. Or is there another option? I have been spending quite a bit of time over the last few months, either on the phone or in person or over Zoom, as most of us have, with leaders in leveraged positions in organizations that are on the front in some way, uh, on the front of change, on the front of trying to address uh, cultural waves and challenges that come our way. And when we all get really honest and we all transparent with one another, we sometimes talk about what we are afraid of. And so I'd like to just remind you of a couple of things that we've learned over the years. You probably know these well, but every once in a while, isn't it nice to be able to be reminded of what we already know, <laughs> especially because we live in a, in a complex world right now with messages coming at us from every angle. So it's nice to simplify things once in a while. So let's talk a little bit about stress. Stress is kind of a common theme among leaders and among those people that they are leading. Uh, folks may not say they're stressed anymore. Folks might not talk like that, but they do once in a while. Maybe they're a little more precise in their identification of what they're noticing and what they're feeling. Maybe they say they're tired. Maybe they use the word stress, but they might use words like, oh, I'm just overloaded. There's just so much going on. I just can't keep up. Some of them even talk about being worried a lot or anxious a lot, and maybe even to the place where they talk about anxiousness turning into anxiety, which is a constant state for some folks. Some folks even mention to me that they're experiencing fatigue on a deep level, like compassion fatigue, a concept that's been floating around for quite some time. I think it is not what we think it is, though. So more on that at the end. Hang around to the end of the podcast, and we'll talk a little bit about some observations I have and have learned from others around this idea of compassion fatigue. So let's talk about stress, though. You remember, don't you, that stress is actually fear. And whenever you feel stress or think stress or hear someone talking about stress, it's quite wise to actually just replace the word stress with the word fear. None of us know how to manage stress very well, do we? <laughs> but you know, if you call it what it actually is, which is fear, we probably know how to manage that. You remember if you were to 
have somebody come into you and uh, say, I'm so stressed. And if you were to say, what are you stressed about? They'd, they'd probably get away with saying, I don't know, just a bunch of stuff and things. But if someone were to come talk to you or sit down with you and say, I'm afraid, you wouldn't let them get away with an imprecise response. You'd expect them to answer the question precisely. What are you afraid of? So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We know that when we realize that stress is fear, and then we realize that we have a pretty deep-seated response to fear in any way, you remember, don't you, that we have four different ways that we respond to fear. You remember at least two of them for sure. One way we respond to fear is to fight it. And of course, we can only respond to fear that we think if we fight it, we'll overcome it. The second way we respond is to flee from it. So that's the classic fight or flight response. If it's a fear that we can outrun or get away from or point at some other person or, 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 or distract it in some way, that's a flight response. The third response to fear, what you used to call stress, but now that you're calling fear accurately, is to flock. That is, we try to get together and bunch together with people who have overcome similar fears or are maybe just one step ahead of us in dealing with similar fears. Well, that's the flock response. If none of those work, we can't fight it, it's too big. We can't flee from it, it's too fast, or it's everywhere. We can't flock. There's something preventing us from getting together with people. We don't have good relationships. We don't have people we can rely on, or they are far across the country, or we're sick and tired of communicating through Zoom and through masks or whatever the case is. If we can't flock together, there aren't people there for us. Then we go to the fourth response, which is just to freeze. And we're in a culture and in a society that gives us lots of ways to freeze, lots of ways to distract ourselves from the fear and not have to lean into it and address it at all. We can easily distract ourselves and just sit there in a frozen state for a protracted period of time. So you know, you recognize those, you can see which ones are your favorite responses to fear. Those responses are not all that effective, however, unless we've done some work in advance of those responses. Or when we realize we have the knee-jerk response, we want to back up a little bit and then pick a better response. Here are four steps that you and I can take, or we can help others around us who are afraid take when we're afraid. So we got to pause and realize it's fear. That's that's kind of like the entry level. Before we take the four steps, you know, you got you to be able to pause and realize this thing I'm feeling and thinking is actually fear. Also, there are a bunch of forces around us, or forces might be the wrong word. Interests, that's a better word. There are a bunch of interests around us that would like to keep us afraid. Not that they're evil or malevolent, although some may be, but mostly they are self-motivated and having us afraid benefits them in some way. So we do want to keep our eyes open for that. So what are those four steps? What do we do? Here are the four steps you and I can take when we realize it's fear. Step one, pause. Take a deep breath and remind yourself of what matters, what really matters. Now, this is difficult to do when you're afraid because our mind doesn't want to focus on something sublime and complex. We want to flit around in some way. So answer the question, what really matters? What really matters? I found it very helpful to look at what's been written, to write it down myself or to find where it's been written. Because if I can write it down myself and review it in some way, I'll find that it sticks with me a little bit better. And this shouldn't be all that difficult to answer. It should be a very short list. What really matters? What matters to me in my life? And what matters to me in this situation? That's step one. Make sure you do that. Don't go on to step two unless you've done that. That then sets us up to take step two, which is answer the question. All right, what am I afraid of? 
pretty big deal. Actually write it down. What am I afraid of? Some folks are afraid of being irrelevant. Some folks are afraid of running out of money. Some of running out of physical health or running out of time. Not knowing what to do. What am I afraid of? Actually identify what you're afraid of. Step three, if that's what I'm afraid of, then what am I going to do about it? Make a plan. You don't have to complete the entire plan right away for sure, but you got to make a plan. There's four or five things that I'm going to do. And here we go. Here's the kicker. Here's number four. Take the first step. And the sooner you take the first step, even a very small, small first step, the sooner you'll realize that fear has loosened its grip. If not totally, certainly enough for you to be able to navigate. Those are the four steps. Now, we also have learned that when we answer the question, what are we afraid of? Generally speaking, our fears come out of two buckets. The first bucket we call a control fear. That's a fear that basically says, I'm afraid I don't have enough time. It's out of my control. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough wisdom, not enough money, not enough friendships, not enough tools. It's out of my control. It's too chaotic or something like that. That's a control-based fear. It really comes out of what has often been called a scarcity mindset. That's someone who thinks that there's only a certain amount of whatever I need to go around and can't get any more, can't borrow any more, can't make any more, and it's never going to be enough. A scarcity mindset sets us up to have control-based fears. That's one bucket. The second bucket is what we call a criticism bucket. I'm afraid that if A, B, or C happens, then these people that I care a lot about will criticize me. They'll think less of me. This is also what we call a rejection bucket. So those are our two buckets. A control bucket comes from a scarcity mindset and a criticism bucket that comes from a they're going to reject me mindset. By the way, there are opposite mindsets of that, polar opposites that I encourage you to explore and think about. And all effective leaders who are resilient over a long period of time have these two mindsets. One of them is an abundance mindset. You can see that's the opposite of the scarcity mindset. There's always more. And often we experience that more or can create that more under pressure. That's called an abundance mindset. And then the other mindset, which is the opposite of the criticism and rejection mindset, is what we call the agency mindset. I can actually act. I can actually do something. I can make a plan. I can take a step. Some of this stuff is actually up to me. <laughs> it's called an agency mindset. And if you've been listening to my podcast for a while, uh, you are well aware of this concept of the locus of control. We've talked about it in several other podcasts. Locus of control is the idea of identifying the concept of agency. What am I actually in control of? And we know simplistically, there's much more to be thought and said about this for sure, but simplistically, I am in control of and therefore responsible for whom I trust, what's my perspective, and what's my behavior. I'm responsible for doing the behavior. No one else is. That is an agency mindset. So what are you afraid of? So as we wrap up this conversation, and I wish you were sitting right here because I'd ask you these questions, what really matters to you? I mean, really. Let's turn that diamond around a few times and look at it from every angle. Shouldn't be a long list of things, and in fact, it's probably not things at all. What really matters to you and what matters to you in this situation and why does it matter? Then I might ask, so, are you afraid? If so, what are you afraid of? And if you were to say, I'm afraid of this or of that, 
I would probably say, well, if that happened, then what? And if that happened, then what? That's probably the root of the fear right there. And it's really worth thinking about, and it's worth identifying it, because that leads us to step three. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? What's your plan? Not in great, grand, sweeping detail, or even in granular detail, but generally, what's your plan? And then what are you going to do about it? Take the first step. <sighs> That's the way to deal with fear, or what some have called stress. You are probably already quite good at this. So I gave you this model, this four-step approach, as a way of reminding you that you can show other people what you already know how to do. And you know, when we're afraid, we forget things. <laughs> we forget how to do things. It might take a moment for you to realize, oh, this is fear, or for the person you care about and are leading, or your team that you care about and are leading to realize, oh, whoa, 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 this is fear. This is fear. I need to do something with this. What do you do? Take those four steps. Oh, I promised, by the way, I promised that I would chat with you a little bit about the concept of compassion fatigue. It's come up quite a bit in the last several months where folks are trying to help other folks through rough times. And we've got rough times. We're going to have rough times. That's just how this complex world works. So if you are experiencing or others are experiencing what we call compassion fatigue, I'm going to give you a little bit of a perspective that might shock you just a little bit. Compassion is not in the feeling. It's in the action. If you're a leader or manager or a supervisor of people, compassion is to be reserved for your judgment. Make compassionate decisions. Have compassionate judgment. It's not to be reserved for your feelings. Compassionate decisions and using your compassion to inform your judgment is what it's all about. It's not having overblown empathy or sympathy for people. I don't want a surgeon to be feeling what I feel. I don't want a physical therapist working on my shoulder to feel the physical pain that I'm feeling or the anxiety that I'm feeling. I want them to be aware that that's there, but I don't want them to feel it. So if you're experiencing compassion fatigue, it might be that you have allowed yourself to become so attached emotionally that you're feeling the emotions that the people you are leading are feeling. Get a little bit of distance and act compassionately think compassionately, but you and I do not have to actually feel what everyone else feels. In fact, it's counterproductive to do so. Compassion fatigue exists almost always when you and I have allowed ourselves to feel what the other people that we are serving and leading are feeling literally, or even more. Sometimes it's as a result of riding the waves of drama that are brought into our lives as well. And I'm not saying don't be compassionate. I'm saying don't let your feelings of compassion wear you out. Act compassionately. Decide compassionately. Think compassionately. But find that little switch so that you are not feeling what the people you lead are feeling. If they're afraid, don't feel their fear with them. You can't help in that regard. Anyway, a little bit of a side note. I hope that's helpful. Keep that warm heart going, but save it for your judgment. Save it for your decisions. So, there we have it. You know what? I'm not the least bit afraid of finishing this cigar or of finishing this Woodford Reserve, and I hope your day is going very well. If you have not yet heard, we have the Hilt, H-I-L-T, Academy High Impact Leadership Training, Hilt Academy. It's on YouTube, but we also have the Hilt Academy on the paid side. That's on the Thinkific site, so you can find that on HiltAcademy.com. 
thinkific.com and there are a few courses that we offer new ones are being offered all the time where you can find that stuff out i hope you check it out hope you find something worthwhile either on the free side the youtube side or on the paid side and that's a great way to go hope your life is going well and i hope that you are making good decisions and if you are stressed remember stress is fear deal with it like fear you know how to do that here's to you Thanks for joining me in today's School of Leadership. This podcast is part of the Archimedes Experiment, leveraged wisdom from the world's most effective leaders. If you're interested in more, go to my website, dhicks.com. Remember, my first name has only one E. Well, you'll find more short and helpful podcast books and blog posts. If this was helpful, maybe even share it with some of your friends. Have a great day.